the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast as jason skaggs just said my main man jason skaggs the insanely talented wonderful jason skaggs how are you i am nick digilio i am your host of the nick d podcast right here on the radio misfits podcast network uh the best podcast network in the world tons and tons of amazing very cool podcasts that you should check out in addition to mine there are tons of other ones that you need to check out radiomisfits.com is uh is the website obviously you you know that because you're here you're listening um cool it is the nick d podcast it is episode number 49 already 49 episodes in and we're here and it is a special as we do once a month the first tuesday of each month is a for the people episode it's for you it's for the people we've gotten emails we've gotten phone calls uh we've gotten requests from uh, uh, subscribers and listeners to get their questions answered from two experts. Herb Weisbaum is going to join us as he does every uh, episode of For the People. He is our consumer man. He is the consumer man. Uh, He writes for uh, checkbook.org and his website is consumerman.com. He will answer any and all questions about consumer issues, getting ripped off, keeping your money safe, scams, all of that stuff that affects our daily lives in terms of keeping our money and our lives safe. And Herb Weisbaum joins us once a month to talk about those issues, latest news stories, and questions. Then Tom Appel will join us. Tom Appel, my good buddy, he is uh, from Consumer Guide Automotive, all things car related, all things automotive, automobile related. Tom likes to talk about uh, any of the new car stories, uh, issues, automobile, things like that. Uh, Lots of questions come in for Tom about uh, buying and leasing and looking after cars and things like that. So any car-related questions. Also, Tom likes to watch a lot of old Westerns on TV and spot a lot of stars before they were stars or making cameos when they were stars but shouldn't really appear on things like Gunsmoke and Bonanza. He calls it Star Spotter. We have a blast talking about that as well. So Tom Appel, Consumer Guide Automotive, answering any and all of the car questions that we have, answering all the questions and uh, covering all the stories. And Herb Weissbaum is your consumer guy. It is great. Another great episode for the people. And my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. It's Tuesday, which means he will ring the bell. I will let him in and he will tell you a joke. My dad's been telling jokes for his entire life, and that's been 80 years my dad's been around, cracking wise, telling jokes, and I've had him on uh, since the beginning of this podcast and for many, many, many years back on my uh, overnight show at the car wash. So uh, my dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. So that is all coming up. We want you to be a part of the podcast. Those questions and those comments that, that come in, we love them, and we want to hear from you. So leave a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Voicemails are fun. We love to listen to them. We listen to them all the time. We play, you know, some of them uh, back onto the podcast as well. So leave your voicemail message with any and all comments and questions, 773-417-6948. 
Old fashioned way, I guess, is the is uh, is the email. Send us an email anytime. We're ready for your comments and questions. That is Nick D Podcast at gmail.com. Any and all of your questions and comments, welcome via email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And on top of that, if you want to be a sponsor on the Nick D Show, you can do that on the Nick D Podcast. You can do that, um, and you'll reach a lot of people. This is a very popular podcast. So you want to be a sponsor, you want to advertise on the podcast, contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com, sales at radiomisfits.com. Get on the train because it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty successful train. So get on here, get your sponsorship in here. Advertise with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. So uh, that's all coming up uh, on, the, uh, on the podcast today. And also, we are about a month away, uh, exactly a month away right now, from the beginning of the Flashback uh, Weekend Horror Convention. And this is going to be a blast. Uh, I've been there. I've been with it for 20 years, and it is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Mike Kurz and Mia Kurz, two of the nicest, wonderful people in the world. They uh, have run the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention since the beginning back in 2002, and it gets better and better and bigger and bigger every year. It is the single best horror convention in the country for fans, for celebrities, uh, lots of celebrity guests, lots of incredible events. Lots of really cool things. I will be there all weekend as I am every year. I missed last year, but I'm back this year. And in 2020, it was canceled because of COVID. But I'm back, and we're celebrating uh, all things horror. Freddy Krueger himself is going to be there. Robert England, Heather Langenkamp, another, a bunch of people from the original and the sequels to the uh, to the Nightmare on Elm Street films. The girls from Night of the Comet are going to be there. Um, uh, PJ Souls from Halloween is going to be there. Robert Carradine from uh, Revenge of the Nerds is going to be there. Donald Gibb from Revenge of the Nerds is going to be there as well. Um, uh, Alex Winter from the Bill and Ted movies is going to be there. A ton of really amazing horror-themed guests and celebrities aplenty, including Sven Gulli. Sven Gulli is going to be there. He's going to be judging. Or he's going to be there uh, 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 as part of the Sinister Visions costume contest, which, by the way, is the highlight of every year at the convention is Rich emceeing the costume contest, seeing the costumes, the jokes that he cracks during that whole thing. And I, of course, have the unbelievable honor of introducing Rich every year at the convention. Uh, and also an honor is that, you know, this year at the, at the flashback convention, they're going to have some Nick D uh, podcast spawn, uh, 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 activities. So for, for the fans of the Nick D podcast, uh, uh, we're going to be hanging out. We're going to do some Q and A's. We're going to do some meet and greets and some, uh, and some hangouts. Uh, I am going to be hosting some screenings that weekend, uh, doing Q and A's, also moderating a bunch of celebrity, uh, uh, you know, guest interviews and Q and A's live in the uh, in you know in the ballrooms in the in the convention center at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, uh, an incredible hotel. First time, uh, second time, by the way, that Flashback has been there. This is luxurious, huge, unbelievable hotel, the Hyatt Regency Hotel. All of it takes place there. August 5th through the 7th, check out flashbackweekend.com. And I want my fans to come out. I want the, the subscribers. I want the listeners. I want the people who listen to the Nick D podcast. I want my fans to show up in mass because myself and Esmeralda are going to be there on stage recording a live edition episode of the Nick D podcast. We're going to have surprise guests and celebrities, and uh, Esmeralda and I will be up there. We're going to have a mic out in the audience, so if you want to come up, we want the Nick D Podcast fans and subscribers to show up en masse, have a great time uh, at a full-on, awesome, horror-filled uh, weekend, and uh, some great stuff involving the Nick D Podcast fan events and a live recording of the Nick D Podcast there 
at the convention center. It is August 5th through the 7th, flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now, and we will see you there for the live podcast and so much more. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. We are just about a month away. And a lot of those celebrities, uh, guests, who are going to be there that weekend at Flashback, August 5th through the 7th, Hyatt Regency O'Hare, are going to be appearing uh, on the podcast as we lead up to it. So in the next month coming up, uh, we're going to have several appearances from some of those incredible celebrity guests who are going to be at Flashback Weekend. They'll appear on the podcast, then they'll be there live, hanging out, taking pictures. You can get photo opportunities and autographs and all kinds of cool stuff, and be a part of the live podcast uh, at Flashback Weekend. So check it out, flashbackweekend.com. Be there or be square. All right. Oh, you know who won't be there? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, I and I love Nick's show. She's got to guard my apartment. Because she's out on the back porch. She's got to guard my apartment while I'm away at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare for that weekend. But I want you to be there, so please do. All right, it is For the People, and we are kicking off For the People with the one and only Herb Weissbaum. He's the consumer man, uh, and I think he would also join me in saying congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jaggle. Weissbaum is the consumer man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the consumer man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes, he is. He is the consumer man. And he joins us the first Tuesday of each month. And he is always our uh, first guest on uh, For the People. He wants to help you out in the world of consumer world. Uh, it's very tricky out there. Writes for uh, checkbook.org. Consumerman.com is his website. And uh, he is the consumer man. Herb, hello. Happy 4th Hi, of Nick. July. Happy oh, 4th of July. Thank you. Let me turn the outlook off so all the spam email won't come in. Uh, thank you. Happy 4th of July to you, too. And, well, it's, um, it's, the, it's the day after, technically. But, uh, yes. but yes, happy 4th of July. Thank you. And almost Nick's birthday. It is. Tomorrow is, uh, yeah, tomorrow I turn the old 5-7 tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, you're so, a child. I know that. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy about this birthday. You know why I'm happy about this birthday? Because I really like, I really like the, the Heinz company. So I'm very, uh, oh I, my God. I'm very happy about this birthday. Right, so, so Nick wants 57 varieties of presents listeners out please, there. In exactly. Land. Or, hey, if Heinz, anybody from the Heinz company, I love your sauces. Send them on. Uh, <laughs> You're so uh, thanks, man. Uh, always a pleasure. Tell everybody about uh, about Herb Weissbaum for people who might not know. You are the consumer man. Sure. I've been covering the consumer beat for, oh, more than 40-something years now. Uh, I was a correspondent for CBS News. I wrote for NBCNews.com. I was on the Today Show for a number of years. Uh, I'm now with Checkbook.org, a wonderful nonprofit group that rates services all across the country in uh, seven major cities, including Chicago land. And I, I also run the website ConsumerMan.com and host their new podcast called Consumerpedia. So in my old age, I'm staying active. You are active. You are so active. And you're in Seattle and you have to do it wet. You have to do all that while you're wet. (laughs) Hey, we had a heat wave here last week, man. It was 92 degrees. I thought people were going to start to melt. I know that's nothing where you live, but for us, oh my, 
I, my wife goes, I love you. I said, why? <laughs> you bought us an air conditioner a couple of yeah. years ago. Yes, yeah. I love you. Turn it on. I love you. <laughs> you know, what's amazing I, is I live in an apartment and um, uh, I don't have central air. So I have a, a window unit in my bedroom, you know, so. Mm -hmm. uh, we have had a pretty, it's been a pretty hot summer off and on, but we had a streak a, a couple of weeks ago where the, in, the heat indices got into well into triple digits. Sure. Um, I record my podcast in the dining room, which is not near the air conditioner. So, right, right. so it's always pleasant. If, if, if you listen to the podcast, you know, the, the episodes are two, three episodes ago, if I sound like I'm talking really fast to get rid of the guests, that's why. Because oh. I was just, you know, it doesn't help that I have headphones on. That makes my ears sweat. You know, it's just, it's, yep. you know. <laughs> but yeah, the heat, man, uh, it gets, it gets, as you know, it gets pretty hot here in Chicago. Yeah. It really does, yeah. especially in July. So, well, uh, I'm glad uh, that you're here. I'm glad you, you still have your appendages, uh, all your appendages after the 4th of July. Yep, I do. God I even have my appendix, believe it uh, or not. Hello, so. there you go. Wait a minute. I think I do have one of these I can give you. <laughs> yes. There you Thank go. Thank you. There you go. You good. <laughs> He's here all night, everybody. He's here all That's week. Right. Um, so before we get into some of the some of the sure. uh, articles that uh, you've you've talked about that you've written about both on your website and at checkbook.org, um, the thing we always talk about robocalls. It comes up every single time because it's an sure. epidemic. Yes, and I have to say that I've been watching because obviously there are a bunch of commercials that you'll see on TV um, for you know. Uh, uh, software that that is like robo killer and all those all, mm -hmm. the, all that software where it can deter or get rid of those robo calls mm -hmm. um and you've talked about some of those but before i get into the the, the observation that i wanted to make uh for what are your favorites of the robo uh, the robo uh, call stoppers what are some of your favorites the ones that you i don't to? really have a favorite but i t can tell you they work um i know the guy who started nomo robo so i actually use his service uh, on my uh, voip phone uh, that I get through Comcast. It's very little you can do with old-fashioned copper lines. Uh, he also has uh, a, one now that works for cell phones. Uh, but several of the good ones out there, RoboKiller and that one, uh, mm -hmm. they, they do a, a really nice job. The, the phone companies, the mobile companies, are doing a better job of labeling them spam calls and blocking yeah. some of them. But they just don't want to, as we talked before, don't want to block a lot of them because they're afraid that it's a call you may want. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and the rule, of course, is when in doubt and you don't recognize the number, let it go into voicemail and then check it with voicemail and then see if it's something you want to call back and if right. it's a social security office telling you that your account has been frozen or your credit card company tells you that your account has been frozen or amazon telling you somebody made a charge of three thousand dollars on your account hit delete it's a scam right well it's, it's interesting because i've noticed as you mentioned you know you're saying that a lot of uh uh service providers are doing a better job identifying the calls and i've noticed mm -hmm. on my phone and i'm with uh my 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 services with verizon Mm -hmm. Um, and they do a great job and, uh, on my phone, my phone does a great job too, but Verizon does a great job because like now I'm getting, um, a, a sort of a gauge on how much a potential spam it is. Like they'll, they'll, hmm. they'll it'll be like, like a 60% gauge that this is a spam call or a 70%. So they'll actually give me a gauge. They'll show me a gauge. Um, and if it's a hundred percent, it says spam, you know what I mean? Right away, sure, but sure. it'll say potential and it'll give you a gauge as to the percentage of how the possibility of it being a spam call, which I find kind of interesting and, and, and also a nice little detail. Yeah, that's good. And the key is if you're going to let things go to voicemail and not not pick them up, if, if it's a suspected spam or if it's even a number you just don't recognize, you got to go to your your voicemail and listen to it because it could be something important. I got a call from my doctor a couple of weeks ago and he used his cell phone because it was after hours rather than mm. using the hospital number. Yeah. And it was really important information he was trying to give me. And if I hadn't bothered to listen 
you know, I, I could have missed it. Or it, it could be that your flight's being delayed or something and it shows up as spam, but it's really not. So you got to go in there at least once a day and listen to those things and figure I, out what's going on. You know? Let me let me give you a, a quick example without getting into too much detail. Um, I've been having some issues. Uh, my building is ha- having some issues with a mail delivery here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I guess that they couldn't get into the building because I live in a, a big apartment complex, a big apartment building, and they couldn't get into the lobby to deliver the mail for a few weeks. So I wasn't getting mail. So I went to the post office, told my landlord, and it has since been fixed. But during that time, uh, something was sent. My tax guy actually sent me my my t- my you know my my tax papers for the year. He had done my, he prepared my taxes and stuff. My mm-hmm. guy that I've been going to my my, my sure. CPA I've been going to for twenty five years or whatever. And he's and, and I hadn't received, you know, his info. You know, like he always would send me the the big blue envelope with all the stuff in it, and you know, and I would look at it with the with the little invoice where I would, you know, send him back his payment, you know. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't come. And and it just didn't come. And so finally I was like, okay, all right, I, I'll have to go to the post office. And it still wasn't at the post office when I picked up the mail that hadn't been delivered. So about a, a week or so ago. I got one of those calls on my cell phone, uh, Herb, where it was like potential spam. And I didn't pick it up. And I went to, to voicemail. And, it was, and again, like you, I checked my voicemail. It was him calling me hmm. from his phone, not his business line, hmm. from his phone telling me that, that my tax papers had been mailed back to him as undeliverable. Oh, right. Okay. And so wow. had, had I not heard about that, I wouldn't have known. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have known that. Hmm. And I've since got them and everything's fine. You know, and I used electronic deposit anyway because I'm not worried. That's the most important. Thing. <laughs> that's the most yep. important thing. Yeah. But uh, but the point is that those papers were out there, and those are important papers that I needed. You know, to yep. keep for my records, my tax records, and they got sent back, and I didn't know it, and I wouldn't. You know, I had I not checked my voicemail, I wouldn't have known that, and that's very important information. You know. Yeah. Yeah. One one other thing before we leave the mail topic, and this wouldn't have possibly helped you in your situation, but sometimes a lot of people would like to know what's coming. Uh, the, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, postal service uh, service called Inform Delivery. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. you get an email every day, and mm-hmm. it tells you the uh, what mail's coming in your in your mailbox that day, um, which is really nice service because especially if you're on vacation and something's really important, maybe you can get a neighbor to get it or do something or whatever. Um, so I signed up for that years ago, and it's just really nice. If, if I'm if I'm waiting for the check from checkbook, what is my check going to arrive? I know right. it's going to be a day's mail yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's informed delivery. It's called from the United States Postal Service. It's something you might just want to have. Oh, no, I agree. And, and it wasn't in my case, it was not a dire situation for sure. not getting because uh, I pay every one of my bills electronically now. So I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm paperless. Yep. So stuff that would be very, very important monthly. It just wasn't. The, so I was not like panicking about not getting mail. You know what I mean? Sure. I Absolutely. was just like, because normally, you know, you would like, you know, let's say five years ago, I'd be like, hey, I haven't gotten my, my I, I didn't get my electric bill yet. What the hell? You know what I mean? That would be panicky, but now everything is paperless and it's all right. you know electronically withdrawn, so it's not that big. But it is still a big deal, especially when your tax papers are being sent to you <laughs> for the year. Uh, that's boy, kind of important. Boy. No, yeah. so anyway, the, the the robocall thing. Before we close off on this, really quickly, mm-hmm. I've been watching some of these commercials, and here's the thing that I find endlessly entertaining. And I don't know if your service provides this, but I I've, I noticed that some of the services I see they actually uh, when a robocall comes in, when someone comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will actually have like a fake recording, uh, stalling the, making the operator talk more. Like I, I saw oh. a commercial where I saw a commercial where one of the robocall recordings was like, I can't talk right now. I'm being attacked by a shark. And one of the, 
the telemarketers on the other end of the, the, you know, the robocaller on the other end was like, oh, well, you're supposed to hit it in the nose. <laughs> and in an attempt to keep the people on the line or to mess with the robocallers or to right. mess with those callers. Right. I thought that was endlessly entertaining. Like these now these robocallers are turning the tables and screwing with the people that are calling us. Um, I've heard of that. There was a, at one point there was like almost a gag service that did that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's funny what what I hear from people, and and this is a key point is they would like to engage the robocaller so they'll keep them occupied, like a real live call. You know, call them to, when they push two and get into yeah. the human being. Just remember, you know, you think you're going to be good, but these people are trained professionals to get you to give them what they want. The longer you engage, the more likely you are to fall into their trap or just erroneously give them some information so i would never yeah. advise anybody to do that oh yeah the yeah. service that does it that's really kind of fun it's hilarious i mean and yeah. they literally on the commercial they literally said i can't talk right now i'm being attacked by a shark right. and the person <laughs> on the other end working for that robo company or whatever the you know the right the, the call was was like well you're supposed to hit it on the nose try hitting it on the uh, <laughs> it was hilarious but you know back in the funny. old Back in the old days, her before you know, you know all this technology and everybody got wise to it and things like that. Back when it was just a simple telemarketing call, right. I, I, if I remember correctly, old days in the rules were that the person calling you, the telemarketer, could not hang up. So I remember people telling me that they would just put the phone down and let that person, <laughs> and let that person just hang on. Like, okay, you want to call me? Here, enjoy dead air. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> just put the phone down for like 20 minutes and the other person the telemarketer could not hang up and i always thought that that was a nice torturous thing to do uh, <laughs> well what can i say you grew up in chicago i grew up in uh, philadelphia but no uh, I, I the problem is you can't get any calls when that's going on no, but i get yeah. you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but back in, you know back by hang back, up you mean that they couldn't disconnect because of yes. the phone service was that right they, well right. the way that the way it was was you get penalized or something because the idea was you, you they had to hang oh, you up you had to turn the call so off yes. and keeping track of you right. yes okay. exactly right. so like the telemarketer right. would be like if you hung up on someone they'd be like hey you know what i mean they would get their <laughs> so it was the the incentive was you had to keep this person on the line as long as possible. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so anyway, but I just thought the robocall technology now, if the, if the technology is so cool now that they're actually screwing with the people that call. I don't know. Right. I find that funny. I find it very funny. <laughs> so. If you're looking for a new career, just call Nick D's School of Telemarketing <laughs> at this that. number. Yeah. You want to you want to learn how to mess with people who are telemarketing? Call me up right there. There you <laughs> go. All right. Uh, checkbook.org is uh, one of the outlets where we can see your stuff. And, uh, you know, this is this is not an easy topic to talk about that we're going to jump into, but it's one that we have to. Um, yes. You know, our loved ones, our friends, our family members, they pass away and you have to deal with it. And we know how hard that is. I've, we've all gone through this. We've all had mm -hmm. family members or, or close people die. And within, you know, like it's, it's insane how quickly one has to organize these things while dealing with grief. It's, I've always thought it was incredible that like person dies and literally hours later, you're on the phone and you have to organize the funeral. You have to organize the wake. You have to call up people. You have to do stuff. You have to keep yourself together, uh, you know, at a time of unbelievable sadness in order to get this stuff done. So, you know, it's important to talk about funeral homes and the services they provide because it's a hard, hard thing to do. And um, in, in checkbook.org, you talk about some of those, some of the, the you know, the funeral homes and the prices and, the, and, and some of the surveys. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I mean, it is something emotional, but it's also a consumer purchase, and it's a pretty sizable consumer purchase. According to the National Funeral, funeral Directors Association, in 2021, the median funeral, that's with a viewing and a burial, was 
almost uh, seventy eight hundred dollars. Man, and oh man. Uh, cremation at a funeral was almost seven thousand dollars. And again, that doesn't include the cemetery cost, the flowers, or the price of the grave monument, or the marker, or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. you could easily approach ten, twenty thousand dollars with no problem whatsoever. Yeah. So it is a consumer purchase. And the point of the story we wrote is that you don't have to decide at the last minute. It, it, we don't like to deal with death. We don't like to talk about death. But as with Nick's taxes, it's going to happen sooner or later. <laughs> and and so it is something that if you plan, makes it easier for everybody, both yeah. the, the person who's going to pass away that they know everything's taken care of, and also for you who has to deal with it. And the prices really do vary from place to place for the same service. We use undercover shoppers uh, who found massive differences as much as three to 500% between funeral homes in the exact same part of the country, the exact same metro area for the same services. And just wow. a couple of examples, a traditional funeral embalming range from three fifty to almost a thousand dollars. How does cost that, a, that's, that's great from, it ranges between three fifty and a thousand dollars. How is that possible? Right. Because it's America's private enterprise, wow. you know, the the funeral directors might say that, you know, we what they said, and I can get that in a minute, is, you know, every funeral home offers different levels of service and different things. And the hearse price, 195 to 565 Well, our hearse has got, is nicer and it's newer and it's, you know, and then it, get this one, an oak casket, the least, we asked for the least expensive oak casket that you could get. Uh, $1,000 to $5,000 for the least expensive casket that they would Jeez. sell you. Now, Man. keep in mind, you don't have to buy the casket from the funeral home. Another thing that you need to know, Costco sells caskets. They'll they be there the next day. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you can and, and it's always, by the way, Herb, that's always, that's always kind of a running gag about Costco. Like they always, people make jokes about it. But you know what? It's a great service. Of course. <laughs> I mean, if, if a funeral home is going to charge you five grand for a coffin and you can actually get one at Costco for like a third of that price, how is that funny? I think yeah. that that's a great service. And ask them to fill it with a skinny pop, and then you'll have some refreshments for after the service. But, right. There you go. But, but anyway, so that, that was one point we tried to make, that it really does vary, uh, and that you can go – but the problem is it's hard to price shop in advance because the Federal Trade Commission's funeral rule only requires funeral homes to give you their detailed price list if you show up at the funeral home to discuss the funeral services. So if you show up in person and go there, they have to give you – this information and it's been credited this rule that's been around since 1984 with reducing fraud and deception in the funeral industry 1984 was just the barely at the cusp of e-commerce we weren't used to doing things yeah. online price shopping yeah. doing that kind of stuff which is why the consumer groups including the funeral consumers alliance which is a great nonprofit, and the consumer federation of america want the industry to be required by the federal government to provide you this information if they have a website on their website. Not that they have to put it on a website if they don't have one, but only if they have a website to provide it. And they did a survey of 35 state capitals and of 1,046 funeral home websites that they went to only 191, 18% posted their general price list. This does not make it easy for people to comparison shop. And Checkbook, as well as these consumer groups, believe that in this time-constrained world of cost consciousness that we live in, 
you know, people may not have the time or may not be able to, or if you're out of town because you're, your relative lives in a town where there's no other relatives, right. you shouldn't have to try to schlep to funeral homes or be forced to do it at the last minute and just say, yeah, 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 I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that. Because, you know, as nice as funeral homes can be, and there's some wonderful people in the funeral home industry, it's a business. Yep. Their job, just like any other business, is to get the most money out of you. And they may show you all the beautiful coffins in the coffin room and not tell you that downstairs we have a whole bunch of really cheaper ones or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the way it is. Um, and you're in grief and you're not thinking carefully and maybe not making the most cost conscious decisions at that moment in time. So that's why they would like to see this stuff posted online and, and, you know, have that uh, available. Um, the federal trade commission has indicated that it's thinking about maybe possibly doing something. How's that for a good government response? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to pressure them into doing something. Uh, and they did a survey. They did a price. Uh, they did a, a, a real live survey, an Ipsos survey um, to find out to what people thought and what they actually did uh, when it came to, to doing that kind of thing. And they found out that people really would like to have this kind of information uh, because it's it's a it's a consumer purchase. It's really really important to have, yeah. and uh, and that they ho they're hoping that the uh, consumer the Federal Trade Commission will will see this yeah. and will realize that this is something that's really necessary for people to have. And the people also said in the survey that they really don't, in many cases, shop around or have time to shop around. Yeah, I mean, and again, you're you're as as you mentioned, uh, uh, Tom, your brain is just not functioning. No, Tom's the car guy. I'm her. Oh, sorry. God, God, her. <laughs> uh, sorry. I was just looking. At, I'm looking at my notes because I'm going to talk to. I'm going to talk yes, to him next. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I was just looking at my notes. But anyway, Herb, the, the thing is, like, your 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 mind is not functioning the way it should be. You're not thinking of, am I getting a deal or am I getting ripped off? And it's not. I'm not saying that the funeral homes are going to rip you off, but you're not really thinking in that regard. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so that's why these that's that's why the survey and these services are so good. I you know it, it's it's interesting that. You know, you mentioned this thing. 1984 was this rule where mm -hmm. they had to tell you what you had to go into the funeral uh, home in order for them to tell you how many. And this is I'm just this is not something we should get into now, but maybe in the future. How often are we as consumers affected by really old rules? You know what I mean? Rules oh, all that the were, time. I mean, all rules that were put into rules that were put into place in the '60s or the '70s that are still in place, even though we are now technologically miles ahead of that. Are we, we're affected by that all the time, all the time. And uh, you know, we don't even have a digital privacy law in this country, and and everything we're sharing all this information on the web. And uh, you know, it's like, what's going on here, guys? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really uh, way what? outdated stuff. We have to talk about that. Some, you know, let's 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 make a note of that, Herb. Sometime to to, to cover that, like maybe in more specifically about like sure. some of these things that are into place, these rules that are into place that are just not timely anymore and can really be a hassle to deal with, especially now. I mean, Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, yeah. ba back to the funeral homes and and there, the the survey went. You actually they they actually went city by city and checked the differences, uh, city by city, and they were kind of they were kind of huge, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, they found three to five hundred percent difference. The same thing, basically, we did. So uh, again, the key is if you if you if you can possibly, you know, you know, you're going to be the one responsible for planning a funeral. Start doing it ahead of time. Start seeing what's going on. Remember, we we advise not doing prepaid funerals where you give them the money in advance. They try to sell that as a way that the cost of the funeral won't go up. But you know, things change. Your loved one could move. The money's all at a funeral, you know, a funeral uh, or a cemetery and and. 
Chicago and your loved one at the end of their life before they die just decides to move out to Seattle. You're yeah. stuck with a plot in a situation, whatever, back in that area. Uh, and, it, you know, it doesn't cover everything. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, not not the way to do it. It's to find out the pricing in the area and which funeral parlor or which funeral home you might want to deal with. Um, we, as you know, do price shopping in, in the seven cities where we publish and all of our information, everything we talk about here, Nick, is free to anybody on checkbook.org except for the, the actual ratings of services, and that's only for members. So but as a as a special deal to you, because we love you and we love your listeners on the podcast, if you go to this link, you can get a 30-day free trial subscription to the entire entire website, all the all the surveys, and you can get uh, the, the listings for funeral homes in your area if you want. So if you live in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., just go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, and you can get a a free 30-day free trial subscription to use our site. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, D.C. And if you see this story, either on my website, consumerman.com or checkbook.org, you will see embedded in it a, uh, a podcast podcast number 16 of the consumerpedia podcast and it's a half an hour conversation with kevin brassler our executive editor and uh the guy who runs that uh organization that i told you is so good uh that works with the uh, the nonprofit funeral consumers alliance about things that everybody should know about planning a funeral the tricks and traps and all that kind of thing mm. uh, i advise listening to it it really has a lot of information okay. i shared a story in that podcast where when my father died he was the first person basically in the family to pass away. This was 10, 12, whatever. It was a long time ago where my brother and I were responsible because everybody else had been grandparents or, you know, uh, great aunts and uncles who my parents took care of all that stuff. Yeah. It was our turn. We were in Hawaii at the time vacationing. My brother and I we had to fly back 24 hours. We were sort of brain dead to begin with. In the Jewish religion, you need to put them in the ground if you can in 24 hours. Right. Went to a funeral home, a Jewish funeral home had no idea what we were doing. And the guy basically convinced us because, you know, everybody's going to see the coffin and it was going to, you know, be our tribute to my dad. We wanted this beautiful cherry wood coffin with brass handles. And it was like $6,000. This was like 15 years ago. Oh it was God. a huge amount of money. And, you know, it was all done over with years later. I was talking to my mom and she said, you know, when I go, you know, I just want like the Jewish religion is a shroud and a plain uh, pine box. And sure. she says, I want you to know that now. And yeah. my yeah. wife's parents told us the same thing before they pay. And, and, and that's why it's important for the, to have a conversation with your family, maybe not give them every single detail, but just give them some idea. You know, I'd really yeah. like to be buried in this cemetery. If I still live in this city, I'd really like to have, you know, not a big deal. I'd like to be cremated. Tell them what you, you can't mind read once you're gone. No, it's true. And it's not, it's not a comfortable conversation. Nobody really no. likes to talk about death, especially, no. of, you know, of some of your loved one, but you know, you're looking at this article, looking at these numbers, looking at how they vary and you know, the kind of state that you're in grief wise, when you have to make these decisions having that conversation is hard now but i'm telling you it's easier when it happens yes it started it, out with i know you're gonna live to, i hope you live to 120 exactly. um, yeah. but <laughs> yeah no 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 exactly and i mean you this know. is a conversation that people have to have yes. and this is a you conversation know. that i've had with my four i'm an only child so yes. you know uh when god forbid when my parents when, when they go and i hope it's a very very long time from now it's on me it's yeah. on me. You know yeah. what I mean? And so this yeah. conversation has been had, you know, my folks yes. and I have had it and my, my, my dad was just like, cremate me, throw me somewhere, go to Wrigley, right. dump, dump me at Wrigley. That's right. what he, right. you know, so that's, that's it. And so we've discussed it and all that and all that kind of stuff. And it's important. It's not an easy conversation, but you know what? Once you have that conversation, 
lighten up the mood and have some fun because you know you, now you know what's going to happen. You know, yes. unfortunately, when that horrible thing happens, at least you've got those details and you know what price range and where you're going to go with it. Exactly. And, and an the easy- final takeaway is, as we said again, but this is the final takeaway for everybody. Don't assume every funeral home in your area charges the same amount of money for the same yep. services, the exact yep. Same, even if they're owned by the same company, because, you know, some companies bought these, these funeral homes up in some cities, five, 10, 15 funeral homes are all owned by the same company, but then they keep the different names. Doesn't mean they're charging the same price. You've got to get the price list and find what's going on. I'll tell you something, Herb. It's very interesting because I, I, I live literally two blocks away from uh, a funeral uh, home Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's a funeral home where my ex-wife's father was laid out. Um, and they, they did a wonderful job and, and uh, just a fantastic job. And, and, and again, there were other places that they had looked at. And I do want to mention this, that there was one place that they looked at that uh, was a very you know, prestigious name in the, in the local funeral home business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you see that name and you go, oh, yeah. But, the, but for some reason, I, I, I guess funeral homes, too, can be franchised. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. And the same people didn't run it. So like, and again, it's important and Herb, you mentioned this and I know it's, this is, people need to listen to this because it's not the same funeral home sometimes. Like it might have that name. It mm-hmm. might have that name that you associate with prestige and honor and decency. Uh, but somebody might've come in there, kept the name and they're not running it the same way. So always do your homework. And I know it's easy to go, oh, but that funeral home, they did my grandfather 25 years ago. Yeah, but that was 25 years ago. Right. Good point. It's, That's a really, yeah. really good point. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, but again, the link for people to check out in the seven cities where you publish again, uh, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Take advantage of this, uh, this wonderful offer, uh, from, uh, checkbook.org. So, uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. So do my, so do my listeners. Good. All right. Um, so here's, a, here's another, another thing, you know, uh, This whole, like, our information is out there. We talk about this again all the time, Herb. And the reason why we talk about it is because it happens all the time. Everybody's information is put out there so easily, and it can be taken so easily. And I mean by out there, but I mean online, your phone, internet, all of that stuff. People voluntarily put way too much information of themselves out there. But there are ways that you can opt out of, like, these people search websites. There are ways Mm -hmm. to get around that. That's another uh, piece that, uh, that you put together for Checkbook. Tell us about that. Well, you do have the right in most cases to opt out of the information that's being collected about you. So it can't be, uh, you know, once, you know, these people, people search websites like uh, ask.com and yellowpages.com and uh, Spokio and uh, Zaba search and Intellius and people look or, you know, all these kind of things. You yeah. go in there and, and for a amount of money, uh, usually 25, 30 bucks or something, you can for 30 days, you can get access to all this information about people. This is collected. This is not like the credit bureau. This is just these are data aggregators they take all the stuff that sort of kind of has maybe your name in them in it and put it together in a file and then people who are interested in this information can buy this information either for marketing purposes to track you down uh, unfortunately it can be used by stalkers it can be used by people who are trying to harass people that kind of thing so so there's a reason why some people may not want that information out there uh, so i was intrigued by discover the discover card people discover bank decided that they were going to try to help people and uh, get uh, to do this more easily than having to do it on your own, because not only do you have to do it on your own, but these things repopulate themselves. The information in, with these search sites tends to get back in again, even if you've opted out. And so after like 90 days, the stuff is back there again in many cases. So they decided to offer a free and simple way for their customers to opt out of these services disclosing their information. And um, so what I did is I actually joined 
uh, the bank, Discover Bank. I took out a $100 savings account and uh, became a member, downloaded the app. And it was simple as could be that all you had to do was uh, use their, their site and uh, just go in there and it, it goes to 10 different uh, of the most uh, popular search websites and it automatically takes the information you've already provided for, to the bank to, to get your bank account and uh, and goes in there and puts the opt-in request for you. Within 48 hours, I had nine of the 10 sites that they deal with and they were really big ones. Uh, they had opted me out and when I went to just look as a person to go get the service, I could not get the information on myself anymore. Wow. So it worked. I was really, really uh, impressed with that kind of thing. Uh, you know, is there anything that we can do? It, just a, a quick aside. Is there anything we do? Because I've seen some of the stuff that they've had that, that, that's online about me. Um, you know, like, and some of it is, you know, some of it is like accurate and some of it is not. Like, for instance, you know, they, they, they have your income, like how much you make a year. They approximate mm -hmm. that. They're mm -hmm. way off. They've right. over, they've really over <laughs> compensated in that department. I looked at, I looked, I was looking at myself, some of the stuff that they have on me online and I was like, wow, man, I wish I made that much money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but is there anything that we can do that's for stuff that's out there already? Well, the problem is these are not credit bureaus, so they're not regulated by the same regulations. And that's gotcha. the problem that only yeah. not only is this information out there accessible to anyone, but it's also not accurate. I, I bought three or four of the services because I wanted to see what they had on me before I decided to opt out. And here's what's on these sites, by the way. They, they yeah. will have, and this is just for starters, your age and your year of birth, your education, your home address, value of your property, previous places you've lived, previous places you've worked homework and cell phone numbers, email yep. addresses, social media accounts, current employer, business licenses associated with your name, marriage and divorce records, relatives and their contact information. You can also get criminal or traffic violations if you declared bankruptcy or judgments and liens. So there is a lot of information That's on there. And again, some of it is inaccurate. In my case, they had me living or having property in New Jersey. I never bought property in New Jersey. Yeah. They probably commingled that with something my brother bought. Yeah. Um, they have that my wife and I have a child. We do not have a child. Uh, they have that I have a swimming pool at my house. Don't I wish? You don't need one in Seattle. You well, well, it's got to be heated and covered. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, you know what we call those? We Boy. call them hot tubs. <laughs> um, but, but so there's a lot of, and they, and one of them, and this is one of the really big ones. And this is why, by the way, that they couldn't auto, I, I went, I did some background checking with Discover after the fact. And the reason why they couldn't opt me out of Spokio, one of the big websites, is because the information they had on me was where I lived in 1981 when I was back in New York. And it couldn't opt out because they had the wrong address. Oh, I mean, man. these, you know, but but for a but for somebody who's trying to harass you or track you or serve you with papers or whatever it is, you know, this can be. This can be a minefield for those people. And I talked to Pam Dixon at the World Privacy Forum, and you know she deals with these people all the time. I mean, somebody who's in a bad relationship, a divorce kind of situation, and the ex is trying to harass them and do things. Yeah. They try to move, and these sites collect this information. Unless they've gone dark and are off the web and everything, that the, the ex can find out or harass them. And you know they get your social media accounts, your email addresses, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, anyway, that's that's the world we live in. But this made it really easy. So again, if you have a Discover card or 
if you even want to just do like I did an online uh, savings account, they're paying like almost they're getting close to a percent now. It's better you can get on a real bank, just put a little money in there and let it make some money for you and get this. Sure. And, oh, and the cool thing is, Nick, they every 30, uh, every 90 days, they do a sweep and opt you out again. So you don't have to worry about doing it. Oh, really? It. Yes. Oh. And you know, in 90 days, I'm going to check and make sure they're still doing it. But yeah. yes, that's that's the thing is you don't have to go through the minefield of doing this on your own. Number one. Number two, you don't have to keep doing it once you're signed up with a service. And I hope my friend Pam at, at the World Privacy Forum said, you know, I hope this is a message to all business out there that we really need to start taking the, you know, doing this kind of thing that people want their information not shared with the entire world. And maybe this will yeah. be something that is offered by more services or whatever. That's a great, sir. You know what? I'm going to take you up on that, Herb. I'm going to do it sure. Um, sure. because I, I've seen myself uh, and, and stuff about me online. Uh, some of it is scarily accurate. You know what I yep. mean? Uh, and then that's scary enough. But then this is, there's stuff like my income and like, you know, uh, you know, again, uh, I, according to some of these places, I have kids as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they are. I, they're out there somewhere, but uh, right. I don't know where they are. Well, as long as they're not looking free to pay the college bills, it's OK. But, uh, <laughs> Hell, I can't even get my taxes sent to me. How am I going to do know. this? So next time, you, if you do this service, yeah. go back, wait. For, it'll tell you, by the way, the app actually tells you processing your request, and then it says done, done, you know, whatever goes down the line. So yeah. after 48 hours, three days, whatever, when it happens, and it says you're opted out, go back and check and see if you can find anything on you, which you shouldn't be. It should say no file available. And then we'll talk about it next time because I'd love to know if it works for you as well. Yeah. No, I mean, that's something that I, it, it was something that disturbed the hell out of me, quite frankly, yeah. uh, Herb, yeah. when I saw that my information in, in a place I'd never visited or anything like that. And, right. you know, I, I, I was disturbed, you know, by the fact that they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yep. I wish I made that kind of money and whatever. Yep. But I was yep. d- deeply disturbed by how much they got right that I don't yes. want out there. Yeah, so Correct. yeah, okay, that's great, and I will. I'll, yeah. gi- I'll give you. I'll give you. If I do it, I'll give you a full report Herb, for sure. Oh, that's good. Good. But and and people can read all about that uh, at checkbook.org as well. Can you hear that robocall coming in? That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go away! No, oh, they, sorry, it's just, it's just the sister-in-law. Just tell them. Oh, is it is okay. I was just gonna just tell them you're fighting a shark right now, and that they'll tell you to hit him on the nose. <laughs> You know, I should uh, use that for my sister-in-law. I, I love <laughs> you, but yeah, I'm dealing with a shark right now. <laughs> there you go. Hey, oh. um, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to be talking with uh, with Tom uh, Appel coming up as we do. Yes. It's you. You and Tom are my are my trusted and and incredible guests on the For the yep. People episodes every yep. month. And the the uh, you know the the topic of electric uh, vehicles pops up a lot when I talk to Tom. And you, yes. in fact, uh, have an interesting story about uh, electric uh, vehicles being bought out at the end of their leases. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what's happening is, is that the uh, Ford, the, the story that started this is Ford decided that it will no longer buy people, allow people who lease their electric vehicles. And there are three that they have right now, the F-150 Lightning, the E-Transit van and Mustang Mach-E. Uh, as of June 15th, when they put this into effect, you can no longer have the option to buy the car truck when your agreement ends. And as we've talked, and this is already in 37 states right now, and it'll roll out to the rest of the country uh, before the end of the year. And let me just see Illinois, just for your prime target area, Illinois is on the list for right now. So it's already taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically, uh, you know, as we talked about before, because these leases were done two and three years ago and the uh, you know the residual value was at a reasonable price at the at the price market back then but now that the the rates for used and and new cars are so high people are finding out that they can buy the vehicle they've been leasing they know they like it's in good shape for a lot more than they could ever possibly buy uh, a new car or even buy that used vehicle they've got 
I mean, they can have five or six to ten thousand dollars worth of equity in that vehicle, depending on um, you know how uh, luxurious the vehicle is. Well, Ford wants those vehicles to come back to its dealers because they want inventory, you know, good low mileage. EV inventory in the in the future, they're so hurting for inventory on the lots, and they'll make the money off the deal as opposed to the consumer making the money off the deal. So that's what Ford did, and as we pointed out in the story, uh, Tesla already did that. They eliminated the lease to buy option for vehicles delivered on or after April fifteenth. So at the end of the lease, if you're a customer in good standing, which means you made you're making all your payments on time, you can apply for a one-time lease extension of six months. Only Tesla would ask you to apply. They'll decide whether <laughs> you can extend it for six months or not. Yeah. And um, this may be something that we're going to start to see with more manufacturers as they see what's going on now. By the way, the financing arms of 17 major auto manufacturers, including GM, Ford, Honda, Nissan, and BMW, according to a story by uh, Edmonds, now prohibit their customers from selling their lease vehicles to a third party. So that gives you two options in the lease experience buyers take it back to the dealer which is what they want you to do or buy it from the lease company if the lease company will let you do it but i think we're seeing a clear trend here right now that they don't want to give you the option to buy these vehicles the market has changed at least for now and they want these vehicles to come back to them so they can take advantage of that equity and they can sell the vehicle wow which by the way and i'm sure tom will tell you the same thing is why checkbook and my friend, the author of The Car Book and Consumer Federation of America and Consumer Reports all say that unless you have some serious reason for uh, leasing a vehicle such as work, you get a write-off or something like that, or you're like my brother who just wants a brand new sporty car every two or three years, and that's fine if that he can afford it, you're going to be better off buying the vehicle way better off down the road in the long haul than leasing the vehicle. Leasing just does not make a lot of sense. The average person now, Nick, is keeping their vehicle 12 years. Think of all those years that you've paid that off and you're just riding down the highway you know, for no money. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, with the way we're not driving now because of the pandemic, uh, we're going to keep our vehicles probably longer than 12 years because there's so few miles on them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, and now the, the whole, you know, you, you're mentioning electric vehicles and all, and, and people are now looking into that because gas prices are, are so yep. astronomical yep. Uh, at this point. Uh, yep. And, and, you know, and I, and, and, and I know that like, you know, people are, people are, you know, like, I can't believe gas prices are this much. And it wasn't like this, you know, a year and a half ago, well, a year and a half ago, nobody was driving because everybody was inside. <laughs> Everybody well, was we inside. Wanted, and we wanted to warn Ukraine with Russia cutting off the tap. I mean, exactly. it's like, you know. No, exactly. Yeah. Times are different now, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. The, it, it, than they were. But but the electric vehicle thing is always fascinating to me. But Tesla is just, it's such a, it's such a weird and crazy company. Well, it's headed by a weird and crazy guy. It, it is. But, you know, so, there's going to be, I'm sure Tom told you this, but there's going to be so much stuff coming to the market in 2023 electric. There's so many, it's yeah. so crazy right now. If you don't absolutely have to buy one, but you want one, there's going to be some of the, you know, GM's going to come out with them in the, in the 20. Nine thirty thousand dollar range, thirty three thousand. You don't, you know, you don't have to spend sixty thousand dollars or whatever. Right. And they're going to be, they're going to be, a, and they're going to be built from the ground up. I mean, Tesla, God bless Elon, he built it from the ground up. But some of the electric or the hybrids now are just modified normal gasoline right. cars. Right. These are going to be brand new, start from scratch right. uh, vehicles. So if you if you don't have to do it right now and want to, you know, because you're not driving that much, give yourself another year or so. In twenty twenty three, there's going to be a lot more choice and choices. I think are going to be a lot more reasonable. Yeah, true. Uh, Herb, always a pleasure. What are we uh, looking forward to? What can we see at uh, your Consumer Man uh, website and checkbook.org? What are you working on? 
Uh, well, I have a brand new podcast coming up in two weeks uh, that's going to be really interesting. We talked to the people at truthandadvertising.org, and the question we're asking is, why isn't there truth in advertising anymore? Uh, so that'll be showing up uh, in the uh, Consumerpedia podcast, consumerpedia.org. Uh, that's an interesting one. And uh, I'm also writing one about child identity theft we'll talk about next time. Ooh. About 1.2 million kids uh, have their identity stolen every year in this country, wow. and it's like a free-for-all for the uh, bad guys because the kids aren't checking their credit files and they don't know they've been victims. One last thing, if I might, um, you brought up sharks twice in this podcast. Uh So my wife and I went to see a play at the Seattle Repertory Theater called Bruce. And it's- Uh, Is it about Jaws? It's the story of the making of Jaws. (laughs) Come on, really? And Spielberg (laughs) named the mechanical shark Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy he brought in to rewrite the script, because eventually when he wrote the script, I guess it was so horrible. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg brought in one of his friends to Carl rewrite Gottlieb. the script. Carl, Carl yeah. Gottlieb. Yeah. Carl, Carl Gottlieb. did a, a, a blog or a log, you know, so what, so this play is based on his real notes. No of what kidding. Happened. And it's, it's amazing. So, but the funny part is that because, do you know that the, the shark, I think everybody knows the shark didn't work for a while. Oh yeah. 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 The, the Disney guy who built it, had built stuff for Disney in a shark tank in a, in a Hollywood set that was fresh water. And this was shot on Martha's yep. Vineyard in salt water and yep. fried the electronic. Yep. So Spielberg had to figure out what to do without the shark. And he kept saying, what would Hitchcock do? Watch what Hitch, which would Hitchcock yep. do. He yep. would make you think the shark was there, but you don't have to see the shark. So that great scene where they shoot the shark and those, those yellow barrels go out into the water yep. and they're bobbing around. Yep. That was Spielberg's way of figuring out, if you see the yellow things bobbing around, you're going to think there's the shark there, but he, I don't have to show the shark. He, he was convinced that the film was going to bomb, and so was Universal. Yep. Um, he yep. was devastated because it was like, okay, I don't have a shark. I don't have a movie. Right. And it turned out much more terrifying by not seeing the shark. When you, oh, finally, yeah. do, when you finally do see the shark late in the movie, it's awesome. Yep. But yeah. everything yep. in the first hour and 40 minutes of that movie is just your imagination. It's yep. brilliant. It's the I, first uh, first summer blockbuster. It was yep. the first movie shot on location. Two months over, uh, two months over uh, shooting. I think it went four times over. He was smart because the blonde woman who was uh, Roy Scheider's wife. Yeah, that was the head of the studio's yeah. wife. Yeah, that's Lorraine. <laughs> that Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine. Lorraine Gary. Anyway, I think this is yeah. going to go to Broadway. Oh, uh, I would. I can't. So it was a test run out there. The yeah. lead was the guy who was um, uh, Frankie Valley on Broadway for fifteen hundred. Sh- plays okay. so i can't believe you'd bring him in at this thing and it was so over the top with production i think they're gonna seattle does a lot of we did hairspray here first we yeah did, uh, come from a wet far or come from away here first yeah so i think this is going to go to broadway Bruce. it was so okay. cool i know uh, you yeah. like movies Bruce. I, no 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 and i love jaws one of my favorite movies and the behind the i know wait herb i know way too much about the making of that movie it's it's right. just it's disturbing i can't wait told, i'm gonna uh, check it out told the williams he told roger williams you know i said he because he said i got this the theme song was da 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 yeah. Da, da. He said, "I'm paying all this money for two notes. Right, for two notes, yeah." John Williams, you said Roger. John, John Williams. Williams. I'm sorry, John yeah. Williams. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. No, Bruce. I'm definitely uh, going to look it up. Boy, I hope okay. it comes here to Chicago. All right, Herb. Always Good. a pleasure, and I will talk to you at the beginning of August, my friend. Thank you. Take care. Okay, Nick. buddy. Happy See you birthday. Later. Thank you. All right. There's Herb Weisbaum. Uh, all right, Bruce. God, I'm going to look that up right now before I welcome Tom Appel to the show. I can't. I don't have time because here's Tom. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costumes. Tom. The Pale! The Pale! 
He does. He does. Uh, <laughs> Tommy, he does kind of sound like a, an FM jock there, doesn't he? Doesn't it sound like you've been introduced by an FM jock? Apparel! Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I expect to hear Van Halen now. Yeah, that's that's what we're going to lead into. Right after traffic and sports, yeah! Uh, <laughs> how are you, my friend? I am well, thank you. Uh, Tom Appel is the uh, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, before we jump into that, tell everyone about Consumer Guide Automotive, how they can go and check out the blog and the news stories and uh, all that great stuff that we always mention uh, once a month when you're on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. The best way to check us out is just go to consumerguide.com. That's where our new car reviews live. That's where our best buy picks live. And you can get to our blog right from there. Also, if, you, if you're not into downloading stuff, you can stream the Car Stuff podcast right there as well. Right, and the Car Stuff Podcast. How often do you guys do that? Once a week? Once a week, yep. Uh, right. Just wrapped one up this morning. All right, great. All right, so all that stuff is available. Just go to consumerguide.com, uh, correct? Yeah. All right, consumerguide.com. It'll take you all there. Uh, and we always uh, love to talk to Tom about uh, cars and car quests. And if you, by the way, uh, for any time that Tom comes on, uh, he's part of our For the People podcast. Uh, he and you just heard uh, Herb Weisbaum, our consumer guy. They answer your questions. If you have a car-related question that you would like to get in the next time that Tom is with us, uh, just leave it on our uh, on our voicemail at uh, 773-417-6948 or email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of that, I have a uh, an email from one of our listeners slash subscribers, Tom. Oh. This is from Amanda. She's in Georgia. Hi, Amanda in Georgia. Um, and, and her dad. It says, hi, Nick. My dad and I are listening to the Beach Boys. <laughs> and we decided we're not sure what their car words mean. Can y'all uh, listen to that y'all she put in there? Because, you know, she's in Georgia, Tom. That's uh-huh. what you, you got to do. You got to have a y'all in there. You do. Uh, to, to prove that you are indeed in Georgia. Now I don't doubt it. <laughs> uh, can y'all explain what a coupe, a deuce coupe, and a woody are when they're talking about cars? We could look it up. But we think it would be more fun to hear it from you. That's Amanda in Georgia. All right. Coop, Deuce, Coop, Woody. These are easy. These are easy. I thought this was going to be hard and I was going to be stumped. Um, our guy, Damon, is the hot rod and modded car guy. But a Deuce Coop is any coupe that was modified based on a 32 Ford. And a 32 Ford was really good for that purpose. It's, it's got a really great... Uh, rakish line. You can take the fenders off, which is what you do. Um, but a true original hot rod was a 32 deuce coupe. Wow. And then a coupe in general, what, what is the general? And by the way, rakish line, that was my radio name in college. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, rakish line. Uh, anyway, what's it in, in, for, for people who might not know, deuce, what in, in, in the quickest exam, explanation? Yeah, a deuce is a 32 Ford. Yeah. So, so the deuce just, is the two. Yeah. And then the deuce coupe. Yeah. Is the coupe. Same thing. Yeah. Coupe is a two door, basically. Um, okay. There were some exceptions. There used to be two door sedans. Uh, a coupe had a unique roof line from the four door. So uh, if, it, if it looked just like the four door but had two doors, it was still a sedan. It was called a two door ah, sedan. Okay. The coupe had a unique uh, silhouette. Gotcha. All right. And a rakish line. Yeah. Um, okay, a Woody. <laughs> a, a Woody. Now, I happen to be a big fan of the Woody, and for people who, I mean, it's not the character from Toy Story. No. Um, it's not the bartender from Cheers. Um, it is, in fact, a car. I happen to love. Why do I love Woodies? 
Oh, well, now that's an out of context. Too bad we don't do that segment anymore on the show. <laughs> Nick loves Woody's, everybody. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. What's a, hey. So ex- explain what a Woody is and why do I like them so much? I don't know. Um, but, but people are drawn to them. They're incredibly collectible. Um, the Woody originally was a station wagon that was built partially out of wood. And this is because station wagons early on were not especially popular. They were moved off the assembly line and then assembled by hand, usually with real wood. So there's a lot of craftsmanship involved. So the first Woody's uh, now collectible, very cool looking. Since that time, because we're Americans, we decided that we could substitute uh, shelf paper for wood. All and- right. <laughs> You remember the seventies, Tom? Did you have yes. a did, did you have a room or a basement area where that uh, that wallpaper paneling was 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 there? We had a basement restroom uh, in our three flat on Ashland Avenue in Chicago <laughs> that was lined with wood and filled with National Geographics. <laughs> oh man, I love that you and I are the same age. Well, I'll be I'll be your <laughs> age. I'll be your age. Uh, by the way, I'll be your age uh, tomorrow. In a minute, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow I will be your age. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love that we – like, you mentioned that, and I immediately picture every one of my parents' friends' houses. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, so, so that was the Woody. It was made of wood. Like, the panels were made of wood and all that stuff. Yeah, and by the 70s, it was either just some sort of applique or, yeah. or metal that was painted to look wood tone. But, yeah, so, the look stuck around for way longer than the wood did. So the <laughs> so the so the when the Beach Boys are referring to a coupe, a Deuce coupe, and a Woody, now you know you can picture what they are referring to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I now would the would the car in National Lampoon's Vacation fall under the under the Woody umbrella? Yeah, that that, <laughs> that was a celebration of every Woody station wagon ever. God, why am I the truckster, the family truckster? That's what it was. Yeah, what an amazing car! Is that one of your favorite? Is that one of your favorite cinematic cars, Tom? That's a really good one because good if, one, right? if you know about cars and you look at that, you have to laugh. You've got the side, you got the wood on the side, yeah. and then for the grill, they just took the grill of a Ford LCD and doubled it. They just <laughs> they just multiplied the headlights. It's awesome. It's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, very early on, because Eugene Levy. You know, I mean, the the man is a gift from God, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, Eugene Levy, would you say outside of the Kurt Russell movie? Outside of used cars, which, of course, in my as you know, Tom, it's my favorite comedy of all time. It's the funniest movie ever made. And it's a fantastic car movie. Obviously, there are so many amazing, great, you know, late 70 model cars, even earlier than that. Um, yeah. Uh, the Edsel, for God's sake, they bury him in an Edsel in that movie. Um, <laughs> but the, but outside of used cars, the, the, you know, that that uh, the, the, the Woody in uh, in National Lampoon's uh, vacation is right up there for for like great cars. Oh, yeah, I know. That's perfect. Yeah, it's just fantastic. And also, uh, there's, there was this awful movie. I don't know if you've seen it, Tom. This is another one that I'm throwing out there for you maybe to see. By the way, did you, did, did you and your daughter watch Boogie Nights? Since we I did not yet. Okay. Right. She's busy. I don't know. My daughter's busy. All right. And that's a three-hour, almost a three-hour movie. So you're gonna, Oh, that's, that's good to know. Two hours and 38 minutes if you want the precise length. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, um, so there's this, this awful movie with Gene Hackman. Um, and God, I believe Dom DeLuise is in it and it's huh. called Loose Cannons. Um, and Nancy Travis, who was on that terrible sitcom with Tim Allen and she was in internal affairs with Richard Gere and Andy Garcia, lovely woman. She was in it 
Um, and it was it's look loose cannons, but it's got my, it's got the best Woody I've ever seen. For Gene Hackman drives around in a Woody in in, in loose cannons, and honest to God, Tom. That's the only thing I remember about the movie was that, was that Gene Hackman drove a Woody in it. That's that's how memorable that movie is, and Nancy Travis is in it. So to me, for me to think about you know you know when I think about that movie, not to think about her, but to think about a station wagon is a little weird. I think. I guess. Yeah, but not a good movie, obviously. No, it's not. But um, but if you want to if you want to like Google loose loose cannons Gene Hackman Woody, well, you might not like what you get at that point, but um. I, I think you'll be able to see that. You'll see the car. I, I at least have to watch the trailer. Yeah, the trailer. And, and, and I'm, I would be positive because I think he drives that thing throughout the entire movie. So I think it's bound to show up in the trailer. So there you go. All right. Thanking, uh, thanking Amanda down in, uh, in Georgia for her question. All right. I came across a story from, uh, from the WGN uh, TV uh, website that they reported on. And it is the Pathfinder recall. Um, 300,000, uh, pathfinders are being recalled because the hood, the hoods are opening while you're driving. This was a story that I read online. Uh, tell me about the latest on that. And what the hell you're driving all of a sudden your hood flies open. Like it's yeah, Tommy, this... Bo- like it's Tommy boy. What? what? The... <laughs> this is or, 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 I'm sorry, or vacation. It happens in vac- <laughs> it happens in vacation too, where the hood flies up on the hood. Yeah, this is one of those terrible recalls where this probably happened once or twice, but a manufacturer must respond to it uh, immediately because it's obviously a very real, uh, very real uh, safety uh, safety risk. So yeah, this yeah. is like every Pathfinder every built. That's that's a lot of Pathfinders. Wow, and it's it's probably some simple little latch that needs to be repaired, but but they have to do it. It's going to be expensive. And the problem is, is that when these go back this far, owners don't care and they don't respond. And it becomes the onus of the manufacturer to get these fixed. And there's a minimum number that the government expects them to fix. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And, and Chrysler has gotten into trouble with this in the past where they didn't get enough of people to repair their cars. Uh, so th- this becomes a, a campaign, as it were. So, all right. Let me, let me just in, in general, I don't know if you've got a you know, if you've got the numbers on this, but I mean, how many in general, all these years you've been doing this, Tom, you've been doing this a really long time. Yeah. Uh, Recalls. How often a year do they happen? It depends on the year and it depends on the recall. Um, But you'll see a major, like a dozen major recalls every year. And, Mm -hmm. and, and there news reporting outlets love them because people click on those stories So you hear a lot about them and you often hear about ones that don't really matter, like a thousand cars that were just built and they just stop the build and fix them really quickly. Those don't matter at all. It's the ones like this that affect multiple model years, especially going back and the owners have changed. Those are really hard to get fixed. So so Nissan recalling 300,000 Pathfinders, that's a big deal, obviously. That's a really big deal. Yeah, that's a lot of cars. What happens if they don't reach the quota that the government wants them to recall? You know, what happens if a huge number of people who own these cars just don't care? What happens then? Oh, they'll be fine if they don't hit their quota. Uh, And at this point, this isn't a government mandated recall. This is Nissan doing itself. So they're pretty far from that right now. Uh, But it's one of those things that could become a government mandated and then they have to hit their numbers. Uh, But those vehicles just ride on in perpetuity. One of the snags, however, is that if a a commercial outlet, if if a dealership sells a used car, 
with open warranty recalls that aren't addressed, the dealership can be liable. So that's another way oh. that these things eventually get fixed. Wow. I did, so do these guys freak out at the dealerships when something like this happens? Yeah, they do. It's their, It's the onus is on them to check to make sure that there are no open recalls on the vehicle and if there are to get them fixed. So if you buy a car from a, a used car from a dealership, you can ask them about that. In fact, so you when, should. And Carfax often knows. Carfax often knows. So, yeah, usually so if, knows. If someone, oh, let's just say, uh, uh, the simplest of, of, of basic uh, terms here, someone owns a Pathfinder right now, what do they do? Uh, the easiest thing is just call Nissan dealership, and their nearest call. dealership, and, and just set up an appointment. So just call up the dealership. And they, they should receive. So is Nissan sending out notices to, you know, mailing out notices? Is that how it works out? It's usually by mail. Um, and then the only complication is that the stock, whatever it needs to be replaced, is in stock at the dealership. And wow. that can take a few weeks at the beginning of a campaign. Mm-hmm. But once there's 300,000 of them, you would think that the dealerships would get stocked up on little latches for a hood. Pretty quickly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the craziest? You know, I, I think we've probably talked about this in the many years I've been, I've been having you on the show. Uh, and by the way, Tom, I love having you on the show because I have not driven Thank a you. car. Honest to God, Tom, I haven't driven a car in over 22 years, and, and you, it's, you're always one of my favorite segments that I do. Always. Well, well thank you, because I enjoy this too. Uh, it's just great. But, uh, it, it, you know, over the years, uh, uh, you know, like, what, what, are the, what are the craziest recalls that you can remember? I think we've talked about this before, but, like, even you and all the years you've been doing this, have you ever looked at a recall and went, oh, my God, how did that happen? Yeah, there was one, and it's funny because there was a bit of human error to this. Uh, it's about 10 years ago when Mary Barra uh, first became the CEO of General Motors, but there was okay. a problem with the key interlock system. So you would put the key in the ignition and turn it, that system. Um, there was a pin in there that was weak. And what was happening was that people who have a lot of things on their keychain, like gnomes and... Uh, <laughs> My mom has a gnome on her keys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, cra- that, hit the, that hit the funny bone, my friend. Uh, yeah. yeah. And my daughter's a college student, and her keychain has got everything <laughs> on it, including pass keys and, right, and sure. cards and crazy things. And a, yeah. Oh, man. But, but, but the problem was that the pin inside the ignition switch was weak, and heavy keychains were breaking it. And what would happen is that the key would become dislodged and the ignition would not shut off or would shut off. I'm sorry. While the car was in motion. I, you was, know what? I, I remember that recall. We, I think yeah. we talked about it at some point. We did. It was huge. Yeah. And, and one of the big weird stories about that was General Motors had, before this became a problem, fixed the issue with a replacement pin, but did not give that replacement pin a different number. So they oh, didn't no. know. Yeah, they didn't know which vehicles were the problem. Oh, so they had to recall about twice as many vehicles as were actually affected. That's ridiculous. It was oh, ridiculous. God, that's amazing. So during that time, janitors and Kramer from Seinfeld could not drive, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yes. Guys with 30 keys. Yes. <laughs> wow, that is pretty crazy. So was that resolved? Did it, I mean, man, that must have taken a lot of time and a lot of money. Jeez. It was expensive. It took forever. People didn't take it seriously. Um, and, and people who just, you know, just used the one key probably were not at risk for any problem. But yeah. no one can take that chance. It had to yeah. be replaced. Well, now everything is pressed in your button. You don't need a, you don't need a key. That, that's, that's true. Virtually gone now. You don't have to worry about that at all. Yeah, there's only a couple of vehicles left with a turnkey. Yeah, that's, I, I, it's always weird to me. You know, like I said, I haven't driven in a very long time, um, and, you know, I haven't had a license in a really long time. It doesn't mean I haven't driven. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, 
We're just that's just between you and me, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say but, a word. Don't say it, please. But I've never driven a car with the push button start. I've never done that. I'm I'm that old. The weird thing about that now is that electric vehicles, including the Volkswagen ID4 and the uh, Hyundai Ionic 5, do not even use a push button. They just know you're in the car. So I, they, <laughs> the, the car senses the key and the, and the car is essentially on. I got to tell you something, Tom. You know what I just saw? Um, uh, the past few weeks, they had a 70 millimeter film festival at the Music Box Theater. And every night they showed two different movies in the beautiful cinematic world of 70 millimeter film. And it was amazing. One of the movies that they showed, and I'm just fresh from seeing it about a week and a half ago. And you're talking about cars knowing when you get in. Yeah. You know, and automatically start. (laughs) I just saw in 70 millimeter a week and a half ago for for the nine millionth time, 2001. So Ah. when I hear stuff like cars knowing... You know what I mean? Like AI. I mean, obviously, hell is the first thing you think of. And I, I'm, I just wish that these cars, like if you got in the car, like they would automatically, even if your name isn't Dave, that they would call you Dave. Like the car would go, hi, Dave, let's start the car now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> I, I was just driving the Mazda CX-9, which is a Mazda's midsize crossover. And not a specifically, you know, not an especially technically advanced vehicle, but it has one feature that was killing me. It kept reminding me to put my hands on the steering wheel. And I have this habit in traffic of just using one finger and just putting it on, you know, spoke. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, that yeah. wasn't enough. Yeah. And the car was, yeah. was constantly making an announcement. So it was, uh, what's the announcement like, Tom? Uh, it is. It is. It lights up in the IP in front of you, and it's and you can't see anything else because this overrides everything else. So you get a, a message in red letters that says "Return hand to steering wheel," and it, it's, it's frustrating because I can't see the speedo then. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, oh, that's just. But I, yeah, I really do wish that they would some 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 joker would just like program the voice of Hal saying. Hi, Dave. <laughs> You know, and then, like, you want to get out of the car. Unlock the doors, Hal. I'm sorry. I can't do that, Dave. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. It's just fresh in my brain. I just saw it, like, <laughs> just on the big screen last week. So the, you mentioned – yeah, go oh, ahead. I was going to say the security system in a number of Tesla products uses a graphic that is very Hal-like. Oh, it does? Does it have, like, yeah, eye? So on the center console, on the center console display, it's it's the Hal-like eye when the car is that's, parked. That's it's a little freaky. Yeah. That's awesome. I would love that. That is very, very cool. You mentioned that something that you were driving recently. We haven't talked about it yet. What are you driving? What have you driven? Uh, you're, testing, you're testing out cars. You're test driving cars. And by the way, tell everybody about uh, the, the cars that are tested at Consumer Guide and how they can uh, read all about them. Yeah, all of our long-form reviews end up on our blog. That's that's uh, You can just go to ConsumerGuide.com and click on the blog. But we test three, four vehicles a week, and those all eventually end up being uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. And one I just drove recently that I really, really liked, and it's a little bit old school, was the Volvo V90. That's their midsize wagon cross-country, which means it's elevated a little bit and looks a little bit off-roady. It's a little bit like a Subaru um, Outback. But what a wonderful car. It's beautiful inside. It's long. It's sleek. Uh, it's relatively quick. But Volvos are, use very unhell like looking display systems that, that are very elegantly simple. And they're funny because 
most of the controls that you want most of the time are on this very elegant display in the middle of the dashboard. But the hundreds of other things you might need are on some crappy looking DOS screen that you have to hit like six buttons to get to. So uh. if, if you if you want to change what you're playing on your on your eye on your on your phone, the music, that's great. But if you need to go in and like reset the odometer, like reserve a half an hour because you will never find oh, it. Wow. Oh, that's a pain in the neck. Wow. Yeah. What but else superficially, you- it's a beautiful system. But what else have you been driving uh, outside of that recently in the month that we've talked to you last? Right now, I'm driving the the Lincoln Corsair, and that is Lincoln's smallest crossover. There's a lot to like here and a little bit not to like. It's it's beautiful for, for what it is. It's a Lincoln, uh, and it looks like one inside. Beautiful interior, nicely finished outside, great sound system. It's the Revel sound system. It's one of the best audio systems I've ever heard. Mm. Uh, but this thing is really expensive for a small crossover. It's almost $60,000, which is kind of crazy talk. Yeah. Wow. And uh, has any other cars been driven around the office by your colleagues that uh, that are worthy of a mention here? You know, uh, we've been getting more and more electric vehicles. We finally drove the Ford F-150 Lightning, which is the all-electric F-150. That's their uh, half-ton pickup truck. And that's pretty great. It is everything you would want an F-150 to be, except that it is quicker and more efficient. Unfortunately, it's expensive. uh, But that's the way electric vehicles are right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and speaking of test driving, one of the test drives that you guys have is the 2022 uh, Hyundai um, Ioniq 5 Limited. Speaking, yeah. of, speaking of electric cars and HAL and the future and all that stuff, what's the deal with that? And uh, that test drive can be read about uh, on Consumer Guide. Tell me about the uh, the Ionic Five. Yeah, this is sort of the, the the first one of the first of the new age of electric vehicles. It's available now from Hyundai. It's available in all fifty states, which is an interesting thing because in the early days of electric vehicles, what you could buy in Illinois was fairly limited. What you can buy in states that weren't California or the East Coast were very limited. Uh, but this is a really nice electric vehicle. It is roomy. It's spacious. Uh, it's very quick. But what's nice is that the controls are very simple and the cabin is very airy. They're making good use of the fact that there isn't an exhaust system or a half shaft going underneath the floor. So there's no hump, um, which, which allows for just so much more room and more space in the interior. And it, it's very modern looking. They don't go over the top with the controls. And unlike a lot of early electric vehicles, there isn't all sorts of crazy graphics to remind you that it's electric. It's just a good vehicle. Wow. No hump, huh? I remember. No, no hump. Remember in the 70s when people, when you were a kid, you'd sit on the hump? Yeah. In between the two seats there? and. <laughs> Yeah, when your folks would try to get six people into a car, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You remember those days, Tom, when you would like sit in the back of a, you would just bounce around like a, like, like, a, like, a, like popcorn kernels in the back of a station wagon, just going seventy with no seatbelts, just bouncing around. I remember, uh, not to get my folks in any trouble, but I guess the statute of limitations on this is up. <laughs> but I remember being small enough and young enough to fit on the rear parcel shelf of my dad's Nova. <laughs> What, would you explain to what a partial shelf is, parcel shelf for people who might not know. Yeah, I guess people wouldn't know, people who yeah. Have yeah. only know crossovers. But behind the rear seat, the rear glass was sloped, so there was space behind your head yeah. where people just stuck stuff because no one needed to see out the back of the car. We didn't worry right. about that kind of stuff right. in those days. So, so cramming, a kid, cramming a kid up there just made sense. Well, uh, I'll tell you something. My dad had a... Um, uh, Jeez, what the hell was the car that he had? Uh, but we were in the what's what what's the kind of car that uh, Starsky drives? 
Uh, oh, a Torino. I, yeah, he. We, my dad had a Grand Torino, and yeah. I I would be up there in that window. And in fact, <laughs> in that I would be crammed in there because I'm a little dude, you know. And I was even a littler dude when I was a kid, and I I fit right in there. I could lay down and nap while we were driving back from Stickney. You know what I mean? And that kind of that kind of thing. But we got into an accident one night, and I smashed my oh. head on the on, on the window. Ouch. Um, and uh, we went over like it was a, a, a motorcycle guy. A guy on a motorcycle was flying over some train tracks, like going fast. And my dad had to swerve out of the way and we smashed in. And my head like smashed on the back window while I was in the parcel rack <laughs> of the Torino, of the Grand Torino. Wow. If that happened now, your dad would be in jail. Yeah. Well, that would be child 70s. abuse now. No, yeah, no. In the, I mean, the set. listen, I yeah. remember sitting, I remember sitting in the back seat of a car and my, and you know, like my uncle made a left and I hit my head on the window, just made a left. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it was, that. that's all it took back in those days to smash your head off the window. You know, times were different in those days, but now we're just going to now, oh, you know, now we're just going to sound like this. I am just an old man trying to get some wedges. That's pretty much it. <laughs> So, um, uh, all right. Well, that's that bring back a lot of memories. My dad's my dad was so proud of that car, that Torino. Oh my god! And he drove it like a lunatic. My dad, and it was red. It didn't have the crazy stripe on the side that Starsky had, but it was a grand, a red Grand Torino, early seventies uh, Grand Torino, badass car. Oh man, that the 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 versions with that stripe package were relatively common for a while. I bet like everyone wanted a Starsky car. Everybody did. We drove to Florida in that damn car. I <laughs> drove to Florida in a Grand Torino. So, uh, you know, here's some uh, some interesting stuff. Uh, the the latest JD Power uh, survey um, is out. Automotive News. Uh, there's an article that you sent me from Automotive News about the JD Power survey. And again, everybody hears JD Power. Everybody hears JD Power approved. Everybody hears awards. Everybody hears surveys. Yeah. What is the JD Power uh, survey? And tell me about the latest one and what's significant about it. Yeah. So the JD Power IQS, that's what was just released. That's initial quality survey. Very useful to manufacturers. And and that's who the survey is really for. Manufacturers will pay for more information than we get to see. Uh, That's how JD Power earns a living. But but. Um, the interesting thing about the survey is that it's just the first 90 days of ownership. So even though it's called a quality survey, it's more about issues that, a, that an owner might face than actual problems, um, you know, mechanical problems or flaws in the vehicle. And this number has been going up steadily over the years and vehicles have been improving. But all of a sudden this year, uh, the numbers have fallen like a rock and, and they're down like by 35 percent. Um, which is very bad news for, for manufacturers. But a lot of people consider this to be an interesting blip that there's a result of COVID and um, people buying vehicles online. And now the uh, the chip shortage and the supply chain issues, which are keeping people from actually test driving vehicles or taking delivery of their vehicles and getting a delivery uh, walk around of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And, and what's happening is that the telematics systems in these vehicles, the touchscreen and the infotainment systems, they change, even though a vehicle doesn't. For example, the uh, Stellantis, which is Dodge, Ram, Jeep, those group, that group, uh, updated their their infotainment system this year. But not a lot of people know that, so they buy the vehicle and they're confused as heck by this. And they get the survey and they're mad. And a lot of people think that's what's being re- being re- uh, reported here that that now that people are buying cars differently, they're not becoming. Um, as familiar with their vehicle at the dealership as they should, and the ownership experience is pretty bad for a while until they acclimate. Uh, oh, wow. 
Okay. That would so so really. I mean, and and you mentioned the chip shortage. Um, this is a big deal, obviously. Uh, yeah, in, in, it's it's bad, and it's, it it seems to be getting better. But every time I read something, it says it's getting better. But we're about to find out that sales last month are very bad. Wow. Uh, so yeah. we yeah. don't know how much this improved. But yeah, their microchips seem like a simple thing, but they're hard to make, and the allocation went to other things when car sales slowed down early in the pandemic, and it turned out that manufacturers couldn't replace that supply, and the result is fewer vehicles because of it. And you mentioned, so this J.D. Power survey, how much does it affect, how, how powerful is the J.D. Power survey in the business? Oh, that's a good question. Manufacturers obviously can license the use of it and brag about having performed well. Um, but, but more importantly is that manufacturers get to find out what, owner, what issues owners had. Um, so it's, it's kind of two-pronged because I think it's a very effective tool for people in research and development. But it is used commercially, and I think a lot of people take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you see it everywhere. You know what I mean? You do. Like the, the yeah, for all sorts people. of products. Yeah, and even even Jimmy Kimmel has one. He did he did a bit where he, did you know that that Jimmy Kimmel has a JD Power Award? I did I did not know that <laughs> he did. He's like, how come all these other places get JD Power Award? I want one, so he did one. He applied for one. He did everything you're supposed to do because you got to I guess you got to fill out paperwork and you have to like you know do do something official. Um, and he I don't know how he ended up getting one, but for some reason he did, and he it's on his desk. Like anytime you watch. Uh, if you watch Jimmy Kimmel Live, he's got a J.D. Power Award sitting <laughs> on his desk. <laughs> uh, interesting thing about that, if you look at the survey that came out, um, Tesla does not play. They do not subscribe and they do oh. not provide J.D. Power with information. Really? Now, J.D. Power was able to survey a number of Tesla owners. So they now include Tesla numbers in their survey. But because there's information that the manufacturer needs to supply, uh, they asterisk that basically that ah. information isn't complete, and and Tesla cannot use any of this information in their advertising because of it. But Tesla doesn't advertise, so it doesn't matter. Well, of course, I mean everything about that about that goofball is weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> everything is weird. <laughs> everything is weird when it comes to that guy. All right. Um, so the Cadillac, uh, the, the, we're, we're we're talking about a four hundred thousand dollar Cadillac at this point. You sent an article about that. $400,000 price tag, and it keeps uh, climbing. What the hell is going on there? <laughs> what? So this is the Cadillac Celestique. This is going to be Cadillac's hand-built luxury uh, flagship sedan. It's going to be hand-built in, in Warren, Michigan. And they're talking about building just 400 of these a year. Um and, and the more we hear about these cars and the more we see about these cars, the more the estimated base price rises. And, and early <laughs> on, people assumed it'd be $100,000 or $200,000. But, but Cadillac recently released, and we have an article about this on the, on the blog, yeah. uh, a series of teaser picks that yeah, suggests yeah, yeah. that everything in this vehicle is handmade, right down to door hinges. Right. Uh, and in fact, the door hinges have standard of the world stamped in them, which is Cadillac's old old um, tagline. Right. So it, it seems crazy, but the more people look at these parts and they hear just 400 cars, the more people are guessing that the price of this thing is going up. But 400 grand is now the latest estimate by a couple of sources. That's insane. That yeah, is absolutely money. insane. And I'm looking at the article right now and the pictures and things like that. It's really fun to look at the, the door handles and everything. Um, and who decides how they're going to spell the name of a car? What the hell? I, you know, look at the spelling here. 
Yeah, this is this. We have to live with this now. But every Cadillac is going to end in Q moving forward. Why? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because branding. Because branding. Oh my God! Cadillac is is launching a car this summer. The Lyric L Y R I Q, Q uh, which is a compact crossover. Actually, that's Cadillac's first full electric car. So kind of a big deal. Oh, it is, except it's, yeah. it's got a stupid Q. So is electric. Are they going to spell electric with a Q at the end now? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, so we're looking at a half mil for a car now almost. Okay. Very good. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love that you guys do on the blog, the Daily Drive blog, which is just so great, is when you go back and you look at great ads and, and, and commercials and, 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 uh, and, and paper ads in magazines and things. And you guys, you know, you do such a wonderful job. Again, you guys have hoarded a whole bunch. You have the, uh, you know, you have those old magazines. You have the old, uh, uh, you know, publications and stuff. Uh, and you guys go through them and pick out some fun stuff to publish. Correct? Yes. And uh, you have the Coops of 1981 um, and the ads, the the magazine ads for the Coops of 1981. My God, cars looked so ridiculous in, in 1981. <laughs> and they were so damn big. Cars were so damn big in 1981. They were still very big. Yeah, this yeah. was this was sort of during downsizing. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, there were a lot of big cars still. Do you have favorites among the ads that you printed up in this uh, Daily Drive blog piece? One of the ads I couldn't believe I found because I keep forgetting about this vehicle, and that is the Cadillac Eldorado Evolution by Pierre Cardin. And <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm sorry. I'm looking at it right now. Go ahead. It, it is the weirdest <laughs> darn thing in the world. And what's weird about it is that I don't know who designed this for Pierre Cardin. Maybe he did. But he started with a Cadillac Eldorado, which was a good-looking car by period yeah, standards. Absolutely, yeah. Kind of, kind of linear and blocky, and it had form, it had substance, but it, had it a still rank, looked it athletic. Had, if, if, if I may, a rakish line. It had, <laughs> it did. It had a rakish line. <laughs> uh, okay, so continue. Yeah, so I don't know what went wrong with this car, but the back end is very cool looking. You can't see that here. But the front end, for whatever reason, he started with an Eldorado and then put the fenders from a Toronado, which was an Oldsmobile version of the Eldorado, with a unique front end. But for whatever reason, the front end goes on for like 12 inches more than it should past the front wheels. So it's got this ridiculous front overhang, which would make it impossible to parallel park. Absolutely. I had trouble with my... with my firebird i can't imagine this i can't imagine yeah. it's literally like a, a 12 foot long hood it's ridiculous um, so here here's the thing they sold like 150 of these they did so these are out there and they're actually collectible now the, the actual craftsmanship and worksmanship were, were, were pretty good these oh, things I are bet. actually kind of I worth bet. owning do you know uh, how, much they, how much they're going for about 60, 70 grand now. So they're not hyper-collectible, but they're collectible. Wow. 70 grand for the Evolution by Pierre Cardin. Yes. With the 94-foot hood. All right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Any, any of these other 1981 ads that uh, stand out for you, the coupe ads? Oh, I kind of like the Buick Regal in front of the Concorde. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, kind of weird because the Concorde was already kind of an old concept by then. Yeah, uh, but there it is. But they were. This was a time too where manufacturers were starting to uh, 
uh, pitch aerodynamics to consumers. That really yeah. wasn't something that they talked about yeah. in, in commercial advertising before. But here they wanted to make that point. So yeah. eh, get a plane. Get a plane. Get a, get the Concorde. And by that point, you're right. I mean, by that point, the Concorde was just like we were over the thrill of the Concorde. Hell, they already made the they, they made an airport movie in 1979 called The Concorde. So by that point, when you've made an air disaster movie featuring the Concorde, it, the, the thrill is over. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, thr- the thrill is gone. That's two yeah. years later. No spark. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, and then I also love the, I mean, you know, you talk about some of the way these ads look. And by the way, if you want to see all this stuff, just go to uh, the Daily Drive blog. Um, and this is the coupe ads from 1981. And they're just, it's magnificent to look at. Um, and they always try to put the cars in some sort of really unbelievably beautiful setting. Like you mentioned, in front of the Concorde. And then the, the next one here is they're in front of the, the San Francisco Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, where they put the, the coupe de ville. Yeah, that's the big caddy. What, this ad's funny, too, because it advertises something called the V864 engine. What does that mean? <laughs> it, was an, it, was, it was way ahead of its time conceptually. Uh-huh. It was a V8 that could shut down to six cylinders and four cylinders for better fuel economy on the highway. However, it was, it was a complete mechanical disaster. Mm-hmm. They just did not have the computing power to make this work. And, and most of these engines were replaced or that particular function was disabled because it was awful. But here they're still excited about it. <laughs> I love that. I love your reasoning to, because it was awful. That's, what, <laughs> that's, the technical, that's the technical reason why they, just, why they stopped. It was awful. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I rode in a limousine once with that engine. Oh, no and, kidding. What was that like? Yeah, and the funny thing is that there was an index card taped to the dashboard that listed speeds that the driver should not drive because <laughs> the engine would shift back and forth between eight cylinders and six cylinders or eight cylinders and four cylinders, and the car would shudder so much when it happened that customers would complain. So they had to put an index card to tell the driver, don't do that. Don't do that, yeah. If you, if you don't want to get a tip, just don't. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that's 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 spectacular. And then uh, another photo feature that you have is uh, it, by way of it also went went the way of the Edsel the sixty one Desoto hardtop coupe ah uh, the Desoto um, photo feature on that that's a fantastic by the way a fantastic looking car right there. that is a beautiful car and oh I love the God. restrained colors because coming out of the fifties there were some really crazy two tone and three tone color treatments yeah but this particular car is gorgeous this is also sixty one was the last year for Desoto. Um, and, and the brand had suffered some indignities rolling into 61. It was no longer a separate brand. It was really just part of Plymouth. Yeah. Uh, it was no longer riding at a longer wheelbase. But they did soldier ahead with a redesign. So these are the only 61s are the only one with that grill. So weird model year. It's kind of a strange thing. These are very rare. They're a little bit collectible, but I don't think yeah. people have latched onto them quite yet. But that bronze and black treatment is incredible. Oh, it's cool. It's so cool. 61 DeSoto. You can check that out also at the Daily Drive. Uh, blog at consumerguide.com. All right, uh, before we let you go, Star Spotter, you are the Star Spotter, Tom. <laughs> Hashtag Star Spotter. Uh, explain once again for our uh, subscribers and listeners who might not know that you enjoy watching a lot of old TV and. Yeah, I specifically like watching old westerns. And when I see somebody that I recognize, I pause, I take a picture, and I note them in a Star Spotter Facebook post. And I love it. I love it. I just eat it up because I love that kind of stuff too, Tom. As you know, I'm sort of obsessed with like the Love Boat and all the all their old stuff. And anytime you spot somebody, you know, like whenever I, you know, one of the things I love about watching Sven Gulli every week is when he does the segment, you know, telling uh, people, the viewers about, you know, the history of the actors and actresses who are in the movie and what else they've been in. And 
every single episode of Svengoolie, it's gotten to the point, and I've told you this before, where it's become, yeah. uh, it's become a running gag. Every single actor and actress has been in Perry Mason. <laughs> that, that's the big one. But you're specifically doing Westerns. Who lately have, has shown up on your screen that you took note of? Well, just last night, and I love this one because I always confuse her with Yvonne DiCarlo. I saw Carolyn Jones, who is Morticia in the Adams Family. Right. And in the picture here, I did not realize when I snapped this picture, that's Fabian, one-time teen heartthrob Fabian. <laughs> so this is a really weird. I'm glad it's, it's on Wagon Train and not Gunsmoke because I have more respect for Gunsmoke, and this would be really weird casting. Well, I got to tell you, I, I, Carolyn Jones, and yeah, I, when I was a kid, I got Yvonne DiCarlo and Carolyn Jones a little bit mixed up. Um, but when I was a kid, I, I crushed hard on uh, Yvonne DiCarlo because I was a Monsters kid. But yeah. as I grew into adulthood, Carolyn Jones, my God. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. <laughs> uh, that woman was attractive. My God. So, uh, but yeah, well, she's hanging out with Fabian in the Old West. Yeah, and they they were both captured. Uh, they were both captured by Indians and lived among them for some period of time. And now they're not being accepted in the real world. Right. I'm sure that that was all politically correct too when you watched it. <laughs> it's not. You, <laughs> I, I've I've said this before. Maybe maybe I said it to you, but you can tell the quality of an old western by how they treat Indians, American oh Native Indians. Yeah. And in wagon train, not good. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. Before speaking of Sven Gulli, well, actually speaking of Sven Gulli, before Sven Gulli on Saturdays is two hours of the Stooges. So they show the Three Stooges on MeTV, and I always watch that before Sven Gulli, my, my my folks and I. And uh, right before the Stooges is is Rifle the Rifleman with Chuck Connors. Yeah. And uh, I we watched an episode of the Rifleman. I hadn't watched the Rifleman in a very long time, and but they treated the Indians. In fact, it was a trial where an Indian was on trial, and it was told from the Indian's point of view, which was very. Interesting. You know, interesting for that time period, certainly. Yeah. And, but I was just shocked at just how casually people were murdered in the episode. Like, like, like it's like, boom, he's dead. And then they talk about him for five minutes while his body is laying there. I'm like, wow. So it's just like, it's just the casual amount of murders in an episode of The Rifleman is just kind of stunning when you, when you watch it now. <laughs> Yeah, they they don't show blood, but there's no regard for life. No, it's like boom. Anyway, uh, as we were saying. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Tom, always a pleasure. What are you working on next? What are we going to see next? And uh, for for uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, in terms of things that probably aren't good for traffic, but that I want to do, I'm working on the cheap cars of 1983. So oh. that's my next gallery. Cool. All right, Tom. Always, <laughs> it's always a blast talking to you, my friend. And we will talk to you. Uh, in the beginning of, uh, of August for our next edition of For the People. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure, my friend. Looking forward to it. Thanks, okay, Nick. buddy. Take care. Uh, I love having Tom on. One of my favorite segments that we do. I just love it. It's just such a blast. Okay. And uh, you can check him out at consumerguide.com. Consumerguide.com. Maybe I should learn how to talk. Hey, speaking of learning how to talk, uh, you know what? Uh, let's hear a jingle because it's time for my dad's joke. Let's it's hear the it. best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! Here we go! Yeah. 
That's right. It's the familiar theme that the wonderful Jason Skaggs composed so many years ago when I was uh, doing this segment at the car wash. And now I'm doing it and has been doing it since the beginning. It's the first. It's I'm sorry. It's every Tuesday, every single Tuesday uh, that we do the podcast. My dad, Nick, joins us to tell a joke. He's been telling jokes his whole life. So I think I hear him at the door. Oh, oh wait a minute. Come on in there. Man. Hi, oh. I'm Carrie Russell, and I, know, I love I, I know, Nick's I know, show. Carrie. You have to, Hi, I know, I'm Carrie. Carrie Russell, just, dad, and I just walk love around her. Nick's show. Carrie, hang on. All right, there he is. Hi, Dad. All right, Dad. Tell your joke, please. The lady goes to the dentist after the examination. The doctor said, looks like we'll have to drill your tooth. Woman said, I'd rather have a baby. So the dentist said, let me know so I can readjust the chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was jokey, jokey, jokey yeah. time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Oh, uh, yeah. That's an oldie but a goodie, I'll tell you that. All right, my dad rules. He'll be back. See you, Dad. All right, see you later on. All right, wait. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I, know. I All right. love I know. Nick's show. Okay, there you go. All right, my dad will be back again next Tuesday. Uh, I want to thank uh, Herb Weisbaum and Tom Appel. He, uh, they are the guys who joined me for the people the first Tuesday of every month. Uh, if you've got any consumer-related questions or any car-related questions for those two experts, leave them at uh, the voicemail message at 773-417-6948 and any other voicemail message you want to leave or via email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. They will join us again the first uh, Tuesday of August. Uh, Jason Skaggs is my main man. Thanks very much. Check us out at radiomisfits.com. We are also available. This podcast is also available anywhere and everywhere and every platform where you can get your podcast. Please take the time to rate and review us. Check us out. Give us feedback. Rate, review us on every platform and spread the word. Please tell your friends and uh, please be a sponsor. If you want to be a sponsor, hey, advertise with the Nick D podcast. It's a popular podcast. I'm telling you right now. So contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com, sales at radiomisfits.com, uh, so become a, a sponsor. On the next podcast on Friday, the lovely Esmeralda will be back. It will be our 50th episode, so we might do a couple of maybe special things. I think Jason Skaggs might have something worked up in some sort of celebratory fashion for our 50th episode. And uh, Eric Childress and C. Procopi will drop by for their by, uh, well, their every other week visit to review the new movies. And we've got a bunch of new movies to review, including Thor. Uh, just, I'll tell you a secret, it sucks. Anyway, so we'll review Thor and some of the other new movies that opened up uh, for the 4th of July uh, holidays and, uh, and beyond. So uh, that's what's coming up. Eric Childress, Steve Procopi on the next edition of the Nick D Podcast. I thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out all the other podcasts at RadioMisfits.com, and we will see you again uh, next time.